Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So Saul would now be assertive in his decisions. In fact, in the next few chapters, we're going to see that Saul begins a series of military victories against Israel's enemies, just like the Lord said he was going to do. And so he starts making these moves that starts knocking their enemies back to save the people. And Saul has this new vision from the Lord, and it began to prove itself that day, that very day it took effect. And Saul began to encounter the signs that Samuel told him would prove his calling. 1 Samuel 10 and 10. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Gesh? Is Saul among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. So it's kicked on. And so all of the promised signs came to pass, just like Samuel said they would. I want you to realize that when God makes a promise for you, they're going to happen. It came to pass, and Saul's characters, his character change was so big it was so out of character for him that the people who knew him were wondering, is that him? You ever, you ever like, God did something big for you and people go, who are you? <laughs> the other day, Anna did something. I, she, there was a, a roach under my desk or something. And I picked my feet up and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And Anna like jumped under there and was smashing it. <laughs> and I'm like, who are you and what have you done with my wife? And that's not like her. And her reasoning was, well, if I don't get it, then when I go to bed, he'll still be in the house. So, but I was like, who is this person? Because <laughs> usually I'm on the other side of the house and I hear, get away, get back. And I go in there and she's battling a roach. But for some reason, she just dove in there. She, she became a new person. <laughs> And so people were looking at Saul, and he was just this different guy. And they're like, is this him? This can't be him. You know, guys, that, that's the way it should be when the Lord gets a hold of you. I, I have people telling me they're saved, and they're still doing the same devil baloney nonsense business they've always done. I don't buy it. I just don't. The Holy Spirit will change you. Whether He indwells you or comes upon you, He's going to change you. That's like standing in front of a semi-truck and saying, come on, I dare you. When it gets to you, it's going to change you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is going to change you. You can't be hit by the Holy Spirit, be like you used to, and go, oh yeah, I encountered Him. No, I don't think so. He changed. 
He changed big time because the Lord's power was upon him and the Lord was doing this in front of people to prove this guy Saul is really blessed, anointed here. And the people are starting to see it. It was convincing everyone. Now it says that Saul prophesied with the prophets. What does it mean to prophesy? It simply means to proclaim a message from the Lord. That's what it means, to proclaim a message from the Lord. And he got with these prophets and proclaimed a message from the Lord. And then the prophets would evaluate what Saul said, because they were anointed by the Holy Spirit, was upon them. They heard what he said, and then they could determine if it agreed with what the Lord was revealing to them. This is yet another layer of confirmation that Saul has got the Jews. And so you see, can see these multiple confirmations that God had put great power upon Saul. Now, word had started to spread that there was some mysterious change that happened to Saul, the son of Kish. And so now 1 Samuel 10 and 14. Then Saul's uncle said to him with his servant, where did you go? <laughs> I almost laugh at that. It's like, dude, what happened to you and where have you been? Where have you, where'd you go? So he said to look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me please what Samuel said to you. Like, I'm, that's not enough. What, did, what happened? What did Samuel say to you? So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. So Saul only told his uncle part of what Samuel had told him. So when I read this, I, my question is why? Why did he hide it? Why did he not say anything about, hey, uncle, guess what, man? I'm going to be king, man. It's like if I suddenly ran in here to tell y'all, guess what? After Trump's out, I'm the president. Would you believe me? <laughs> you see probably why he's being quiet. He didn't say anything. First off, we have to observe that the news of Samuel becoming king is a secret. He's out prophesying, he's out doing stuff, but nobody's been told that he's been anointed as king. That happened in private. Samuel and Saul were alone. The very last verse of chapter 9, if you remember, Samuel told Saul's servant to go on ahead. He says, you just go on home, and he did, because Samuel wanted to announce the word of God to Saul privately. Nobody knows that Saul is called to be king yet. Only Saul and Samuel know about it. And so when Saul's uncle asked what Samuel said, Saul did not want to talk about him becoming king. Why? Because at this point, that information was for Saul alone to know about it. Now, think about it for a minute. A king coming to rule over Israel would be such a massive, huge change. This, I mean, this is big news. There's a new guy coming into power that if this secret was to prematurely get out, it would cause a lot of wicked people to try to devise schemes against Saul. It would turn into a power play, wouldn't it? So you can kind of understand why he's not talking yet. I see his point now. I wouldn't be talking either. So Saul had been given this new godly wisdom. Remember, he's been changing. He's changed to a new guy. And that wisdom tells him, be quiet. Don't say anything yet. It's not time for everybody to know. The Holy Spirit is keeping him from blowing the lid off everything so that he can wait on the Lord's timing. And there it is. 
There's the big one in this lesson right here today. Oh, Ray, why did you have to unload that one on me today? (laughs) Waiting on the Lord's timing because God's just too slow, isn't he? No, he's not. He's right on time. We're the ones in a hurry. We're the sinner, not him. And so we got to wait on the Lord. In his own good time, in the Lord's good time, he would reveal it to Israel that Saul would be king. But until then, Saul had to keep quiet. There's sometimes going to be things you want to just blow up about and go tell everybody. But unless God tells you, gives you permission to tell it, keep it. Don't, don't go ruin it yet. So again, another parallel we see from a judge of Israel is Samson. He did the very same thing that Saul had just done about being quiet. Judges 14.5, and we had read this earlier. To his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him in the Holy Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Same pattern. So just like Saul, Samson was installed into this unique position. He was being placed by God to save Israel from their enemies, but Samson would not blow the secret because it was not in the Lord's timing for him to do it yet. He wasn't properly, totally positioned just yet. When we see that same thing from Paul, Paul had experienced these visions and revealings from God that he wrote about, these great things that God had told him. Paul refused to talk about it until the Lord's timing put him in position to speak about it. So there's a lot of people in the Bible that's done this. Now Saul's silence here is all about not interfering with the Lord's timing. Very important, don't interfere with God's timing. Don't try to get ahead of what the Lord has for you. Now, the first verse here in chapter 10 tells us that Saul was anointed as king in secret by Samuel. But now in verse 17, it's finally time to let the people know. So here it goes. 1 Samuel 10 and 17. Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt. And delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Hear how stern that is. It's like, I'm remind- don't y'all, did y'all forget everything I did? And you're still denying me? He says, now therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him... He could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hidden among the equipment. I can relate. (laughs) Give me something to hide behind. Verse 23. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. 
And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Y'all see that rebels already right out of the gate. And Samuel has enemies that hate him already. Now, this process of choosing tribes, it says, they chose and they chose down and it came down to Samuel. Back then, they threw lots or it was possible they used the Urim and the Tumen. It was a couple of stones that the priest had in a pocket behind the breastplate that the Lord allowed them to use for making binary answers, yes or no answers. And so they brought all the people and they threw and it fell on this group. Okay, bring this group here. And then they threw, or however they did it. And every Every time it ended up tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter until it landed on Saul. This is another big national confirmation. Guys, when the Lord calls you to something, you can't hide from it. They chose it down and it always fell on him. And here's Saul hiding. He still feels this big. And guys, that's actually a good place to be. That's the best place to be because when you think you're all that and I'm, I'm it, God ain't going to use you. You're done. Stay small. It's okay. It's okay to be small. God does big things through small people. He killed a giant with small David. And so this is a major sign in itself, this narrowing down, choosing process that happened to land on Saul. It was a confirmation for all the people to see. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The Lord controls all that. So the decision finally lands on Saul who was hiding. Now remember, he... Let's always keep it in mind that initially Saul did not want to be the public focus. And so this looks like a celebratory deal here, but the Lord did not forget about his warning to the people about their foolish insistence on having a king, which was in direct rejection of the will of God. He did not want them to have this king like this. The Lord spoke through Samuel saying, I saved you from Egypt. I saved you from your troubles. But today you have rejected your God. And even after that, what did they shout? They shouted, long live the king. God got in front of them and said, I did this for you. I did this for you. I did this for you. And today you're rejecting me? Long live the king. If that's not an adamant blunt slap in the face, I don't know what is. Of all the things they could have said, that's what they shouted. They were not just in rejection of God. They were in blatant, cemented rejection of God, weren't they? You know, I know some people that are teetering. Well, I know I'm a sinner, but... But then you've got some people, it's like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. Then you got your people that are like, I don't care. I don't need God. I'm fine like I am. Forget him. That's what Israel's doing. That's what they're saying. They had basically just buried themselves. They basically just buried themselves and they rejected God. Now, I want to show you a scripture that they all knew about because this is from Genesis 49. The Israelites know this verse. It says, The scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. What is a scepter? It's a symbol of authority. It's that baton-looking thing that the king holds in his hand. It means authority. It's sovereignty. God had declared in his word that the scepter will not depart from which tribe? Judah? What tribe was Saul? Benjamin. Wrong tribe. 
This is not God's will for Israel's king. That's why Samuel told them in verse 19, Today you have rejected your God. Saul did not meet even the basic prerequisite qualifications to be the first king of Messiah Jesus' prophetic lineage. He just did not have it. The first king of the messianic line that would bring Jesus in is supposed to be from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. It was prophesied it would be from the tribe of Judah. Saul is the wrong guy. He just did not have it. So wait a minute, Ray, wait a minute. Why did God cause the choosing to fall on the tribe of Benjamin and down to Saul if it's not his will for Saul to be king? Look again at verse 19. Samuel tells them, today you have rejected your God who himself saved you. But they said no. They said no to God. Set a king over us. They did not want the Lord. So here's Saul. This is going to be your judgment. So the reason God caused the lots to fall on Saul was to begin the execution of judgment upon Israel for rejecting him. And guess what? God does that. Oh no, God just wants me to be happy and give me flowers and and, and blessings. No. For sin, he will have to do something about it. And so... He gave them Saul for rejecting him, while at the same time enabling Saul with a new understanding to be able to fight to save them from their enemies. Guys, God is just amazing. He exceeds my understanding. And so even though Israel rejected him, God's purpose is still going to be played out. But Saul did not qualify to be king. He was of the wrong tribe, the wrong character, and all that poor Samuel could do in this seemingly no-win situation was to submit himself to obedience to God's authority and set Saul up as Israel's king. Have you ever been put in a situation that was just miserable, but the authority over you said, this is the way I want it? That's where Samuel's at right now. But one thing that Samuel did, because God probably told him to do it, it says in verse 25, Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. The behavior of royalty. In other words, this is what royalty is supposed to look like. And after declaring this, he wrote it in a book, which means he made it public record so that everybody would know what the standard is. This is what royalty is supposed to be like. Now, the reason for this, that he did this, is because Samuel knows when Saul violates that standard, then this book of royal behavior is going to be a testament against Israel and that they were warned before they set Saul up as king. Here's, the, here's how royalty is supposed to look. I'm going to write it. That's the standard. When he breaks it, and you were warned. Oh, let's cry out to God. He ain't listening now. You were told. Friends, it's very easy to point at the Israelites in this story and tell them, oh, if you only knew what was coming. I want us all to remember that we have all rejected God's authority. All of us have, especially this guy you're looking at right here. I'm the biggest sinner in the room, but I'm a forgiven sinner because I gave my life to Jesus. But we have all rejected God's authority. We all told him, no, we want another king. Well, what other king is that, Ray? Probably yourself. For some of us, it was probably money was that other king that we would rather have because a lot of people look to their money to get them out of their battles. They look to their money to fight their enemies for them. It's not going to do you any good. No, Lord. I will rule my life, not you. We will not have another king. 
we look at that money or we look at ourselves and we say, long live the king. Don't point at the Israelites and say, oh, you foolish people, look at yourself. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. And because of this, none of us meet the basic prerequisite qualifications to be called into royalty. None of us do. We just simply do not have it, what it takes. But Christ the Lord died for our sins, and through Him we can become royalty. 2 Timothy 2 and 11, If we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. Guys, you can't reign with the King if you're not royalty. That says you're royalty. Amen? I'm so glad that, guys, I'm royalty. I had y'all say it last Sunday. Say it again. I am royalty. But that's a good invitation for God that he, from God that he offers us. But be warned ahead of time that the behavior of royalty has a standard to it. And it has been written down as a standard for us to follow. I'm, there's a ton of these. I want to give you a few. Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm trying to show you the behavior of royalty. 1 John 2.6 He who says he abides in him, Jesus, ought to himself also to walk as he walked. If you're not walking like Christ walked, there's a problem. There is a behavior of royalty. It's a standard. Matthew 5.9 Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are, is there a lot of peacemakers in the world today? Oh, but I watch Fox News, right? I, I don't care if you watch Fox or CNN. They're all trash talking, and it's disturbing. We're going to go to our panel of experts now, and they just tear everything up. You know, I understand the need to be informed, but guys, it is damaging. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I know people target you, and they want to cash in on your political differences or whatever. You show them Jesus. You show them the behavior of royalty. And whatever it takes, whatever happens, you sow peace to them. But Ray, they're cutting me down. They're insulting me. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. You want to be called a son of God? Sow that peace out there, guys. These are... Verses of behavior, of royalty, because we have been invited by the king into the kingdom family. Which king? Psalm 2, 24, 10. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Hosts means armies. Our king Jesus is the Lord of armies. He has victory. He can take down your enemies. Father, we thank you for your word today. Wow, that was a lot. Lord, we, we were small, sinful, didn't qualify for anything, yet you called us. And Lord, right now in the book, uh, Saul has a very humble character, a humble character that he loses, as we know, and he goes crazy with it. Lord, may we not do that. Lord, get us small and keep us small. May we remember to stay small and that being small is fine. Small is okay. That's how you work through, Lord God. Your power is perfected in weakness. Salvation came to all mankind through a crucifixion, God. It's okay to be weak and small because that shows the world that the power came through you because there's no way it could have come through me. Bless me, Lord God. Bless these people that are here today that however small and however doubtful they may have felt when they came in, that they at least can understand the promises you have offered them 
that you can do mighty things through them, through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.